for quite some time, and he's a precious, precious commodity in our lives. What a need, what a need in our day and hour to know Jesus. Fifth chapter, First Thessalonians. We've been studying on how not to backslide. How not to backslide. Now when we think about backsliding, we think of individuals just sitting out there someplace in their house and don't come to church anymore and used to come and used to do all this. But uh, backsliding is just a little bit more than that. That's eventually where a person will end up at if he keeps up. But if you're not where you was yesterday, then you backslid a little. You're not where you was last year, well, then you backslid some. And if you're not where God wants you to be and you were there once, well, then you backslid. So how not to backslide, how to find our place in God and stand there. There are some times when we have to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In other words, when we go up a hill and it's too steep for us, carry a chalk with you and just chalk that wheel and just stay there for a while. All right, refuse to go backwards, always forward. And if comes a time where you can't go forward, what was was it the apostle says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In other words, we have to have something solid to stand on and we have to know what not to do. In the ninth verse of the fifth chapter, it starts, For God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, that's our appointment. That's what God has appointed us for. He's not appointed us to see His wrath. Not to say we're not going to someday, if we live long enough, see the wrath of the beast. Because that's going to be poured out upon God's children. But He's not appointed us to His wrath. He's appointed us to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us and whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And then it starts in on some of the most precious scriptures, and I think some of the most solid scriptures in the Bible, in terms of being able to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of all adversity and whatever happens to us. If we can put these few small verses into action, well then we'll know of a surety that we have stood for our Lord Jesus Christ and these things are in our life. There is no chance for us backsliding. Christ will not allow it because we have adhered to the things that he asked. So first of all, it asks us to comfort one another together. Comfort yourselves together. Edify one another. Then he says uh, to know them that labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Those that admonish you, esteem them very highly in love for work's sake. Be at peace among yourself. We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded and the faint-hearted, support the weak, be patient to all men, see that none render evil for evil unto any man, but follow after that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now that's a stickler, isn't it? Sometimes we just kind of balk at that one and wonder if that scripture ought to even be in there for we feel like sometimes God is asking something out of us that we are not able to do. And in ourselves we are not. No possible way that we can do this. But through him and through his help we can give thanks for everything. For this is the will of God concerning you 
and quench not the spirit. And then we come to this one that we'll deal with, despise not prophesying. Now, I need to look into that a little bit in the Greek word so you'll see that it's just a little bit deeper than what appears on the surface. To despise in the Greek means to regard as nothing. It means to treat with contempt or to set it not. All of those definitions come from the Greek word uh, that we, they use in the English language of, of despise. So sometimes if we're not careful, whenever the word of God is going forth, we'll just disregard it. We just will, a lot of times we don't have contempt for it, but we just disregard it. We just feel as if it's really not for us. And so we just set it aside and set it at naught. And that's what Paul is talking about here. And he was talking to Christians. He was talking to individuals that knew God. And he said, now, any time the word of God comes forth, regard it. Look into it and never treat it with contempt and never set it at naught. Listen to what God is saying to us. Hear what he says. And then prophesying actually comes from a word that really means preaching. It's not really talking about a prophet in his office. Uh, And so we'll not deal with it in that manner, although it would be good if we would always listen to what a prophet has to say. It's holding a prophetic office and see what he has to say to our lives and measure it with how God has been dealing with us. You see, always when a prophet comes and speaks something concerning your life, Inside, if you've been listening to God, there'll be a quickening inside there and you will know of a surety that God already has been dealing with you on that and he simply just just measures it with you and just simply makes it a little more solid in your life. But this is talking mostly about the ministry and about preaching. Prophecy, of course, or preaching is foretelling as well as sometimes in foretelling. In other words, a person is prophesying many times, but he doesn't hold the office of a prophet. Actually, he is, uh, prophecy comes from speaking forth the mind and the counsel of God. Yes. In other words, when somebody ministers, he's speaking forth the mind of God, or at least should in the counsel of God, and every minister is a prophet or a, a prophesies. But he doesn't, not all of them, hold the office of a prophet. So we want to uh, not get that generalized and make you realize that this is just talking about a prophet in his office. It isn't. It's talking about any time a minister ministers the Word of God, it tells you to regard it, believe it, it has something to say in your life, never treat it with contempt, whether we like it or whether we don't, look at it, measure it up with the Word of God, see if it's right, and never... Set it, as, set it as not. Set it beside your life and set your life beside the Word of God and see how you measure up to what the Word of God has to say. And Paul gives a direct command. Now, it is not something we can or cannot do. Paul gives a, a direct command that believers are not to despise what the ministry has to say to them. Never set it at naught, never disregard it, never treat it with contempt because it becomes dangerous to it. We may not like it. And a lot of times when display words of God come forth, we don't like it. 
And we simply would like, if we can, to rebel against it. But a good, honest-hearted Christian, even if we're getting skinned by the Word of God, will look at it and see where we're at concerning the Word of God in our own lives. This is what Paul is trying to get us to see in these areas when he wrote to the Thessalonians. And if we do that and hold fast to what God has to say, there is no way in the world that the powers of hell can get us to backslide or go backwards on God. You see, we may not even agree with what's being said, but we are to receive it and set it up by the word of God and see if it will hold water. To see if what is being said is actually in the word of God and then measure our life. Nobody knows your life any better than you do. I mean, if a person is honest with themselves... They will know what their life is and they'll know even when uplifting comes or reproving comes, they will know whether they deserve that in their life or not. So don't despise what you don't like in a message. I think if we could ever get that into the heart of saints of God to never despise what they hear, take it, take it with a grain of salt, however you want to take it, but take what God is saying, our word from uh, a ministry, and take what God is saying to our life and measure our life by that. Now there's a reason for that. And the Apostle Paul more or less intimates what the reason is. There is a possibility, probably not in any of us here, but there is a possibility that there could be some sin in your life. <laughs> Amen? Anybody agree with that? Is there, do you feel like sometimes there is a possibility that there might be something in our life that's going awry? And something maybe that we have not even noticed? And it has become sometimes so much a part of us that we don't even recognize it. And the Word of God with its healing effect comes down under the anointing and challenges our life and makes us see where we're at. And possibility, if we measure our life by what the Word of God says, then sin comes to us and we recognize that and we are convicted by it. And when we are convicted by it and from God's Word, the only chance we've got is to get in front of God, not in front of me or anybody else, but in front of God and lay it down there and say, Father, I am wrong, I admit that, I walked the wrong direction, and I want to come back where I was. In other words, use again for however many times you have to the blood of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that flows freely for us once and for all at all times. Never be ashamed to use the blood of Jesus Christ. It stands as a symbol to lost humanity. The crimson flow from Calvary. I'll never forget the time when I first applied that to my life. And friend, for 40 some odd years later, I find the ability of the blood of Jesus Christ to still wash me just as white as it did when I first come to Him. Praise the Lord, but unrepented sins cannot be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? The only way that God can deal with us is to bring us and our sins and our failures to the forefront. And we humbly kneel in His presence and open our heart and our mind and our soul to Him and say, Lord, one more time, one more time I need the blood of Jesus Christ applied to my life. One more time, Lord, in order to make me whole, one more time, I need the blood of Jesus Christ. 
The thing about that is, and it's mysterious, the thing about that is, once He comes, and once we have repented, it just simply wipes the slate clean. And you and I, it takes faith for you and I to understand that, because everything we've ever said or done is still in our memory. We still understand uh, that, that we have done it. But the strange thing about that is it is not in the memory of Almighty God. He has wiped the slate clean. And we stand there whole as far as He is concerned, but we still remember because that is a necessity to keep us on the right track. But the problem comes when we still know and still feel and we don't accept the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us. And we allow those same things to drag us down as if they have never been forgiven of us. You see, it doesn't take a day or two. It takes a few moments of honest, contrite spirit and praying to come before God and ask Him to forgive us. Just a snap of our finger and God reads the heart. God sees inside, just as a snap of the finger, just like it was when you first came to Him, you feel Him erasing all of that stuff that was in there one more time. And you stand before Him whole, just like a newborn child, no spot and no blemishes or nothing as far as God is concerned. He admonishes us not to sin, but He said, if you sin, you have an advocate. And most of us, have to use an advocate. I have prayed time and time again, God, I don't know whether I'm ever going to get to the place. I think it's God's will. I think there will be some to do that. And I have prayed, God, if I don't know if I'll ever get to the place to where I can just come and thank you for everything you've done without asking you to forgive me for something in my life. And whether I can ever get to the place to where when I stand before him, on judgment day or coming into the last of my days, whether I'll ever have this old flesh and everything under subjection or not. But I've often said, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go into the kingdom of God if I have to crawl in pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go in. Because I feel like that He would honor that. But we need to give ourselves more than we've ever given it before, asking the Lord to strengthen us. You see, again... We have to recognize that the Word of God is there to help us. Yes. It is not there to hurt us or to harm us. It's not there to kill us. See, the letter killeth, but the Spirit maketh alive. And the Word of God becoming alive in our heart simply convicts us sometimes of our sin. And if we would let the Holy Ghost lead us, Sometimes instead of quenching the Spirit and criticizing the Word and setting it at naught and perhaps to minister, we might find ourselves on an old-fashioned altar someplace pouring out our sins and our weaknesses and our mistakes before God and finding life worth living after all. Hallelujah. There's peace in the valley for us, saints. There's peace when we've laid everything aside and given it all to God. There can't help but be peace inside where God comes in to our life and soothes everything over and lets us know that He sees us where we are. He don't necessarily want us to stay there, but He's the Word of God. That's why, that's why Paul says, don't despise it. Don't despise the preaching of the Word. Measure it in your life. See if it is saying something to you. 
Be honest with yourself and place what has been said upside of your life and see how it squares out. See if you tip the scales one way or the other or see if there's an even balance on that. And see if God is not trying to tell us that he is really loves us but he's not really satisfied with where we're at. And then when a minister preaches regardless of who he is or teaches you should hear his message. Doesn't make any difference whether it comes from a donkey, a black man, or me. Amen. You should hear what he has to say. Amen. You ought to hear what he has to say. Don't, don't turn him off. Don't turn him off until his message is done, until you know what he said, until you see whether you measure up to it or not. And hearing that message not be a hearer only, but do what he tells you to do. Why should we do that? Because he's God's man preaching God's word. And you ought to know whether the word of God is coming from him or not. And if he is not God's man, then you have no business listening to him. Amen. We have a lot of things on television coming from individuals not God's men. And it might be good if you'd recognize that and turn them off. I'm not saying they're all bad, they're not. But I'm saying there's some that only wants to fill their own body and their own pocket and they are not God's men and we have no business listening to them because it'll cause chaos in our lives. Now I've had the question asked, well how can I know whether a preacher's a man of God or not? How can I know if he's preaching the Word of God? Well... <laughs> I'm a little hesitant to say this, but I'm going to anyway. If you can't discern a true minister of the gospel, separate him from some liberal or counterfeit, my advice to all of us in love and in kindness is that we need to be saved. Is that all right? We need a good dose of old-fashioned Holy Ghost salvation that would give us an insight on whether this Word of God is anointed or not coming from the way it ought to come. We need another dose of salvation. Because, you see, when a God-fearing man, a minister enters into the pulpit and begins to preach God's Word, if you are a born-again Christian, your spirit is going to witness with His, and if it doesn't, either you're in the wrong spirit or He is. One of the two. And first off, before you try his, try yours. Because there's no way that you can try his spirit. You would let him try his spirit. But you try yours first. God's man will feed you if you're hungry. Satan was who? This depends on whether it's a, it's a way out army type of thing or not. There's a whole lot of good things with good moral, uh, good moral stories behind them, good moral things. And if you've got a story or something or something on television that has a good moral thing to it, uh, well, then there's nothing wrong with watching it. But if you see it and it begins to cause uh, lewd things to come on and all these other things and and uh, ungodly language and everything and there's no morals in it and no moral to it turn it off right. just like he would a minister that is not a minister of the gospel mm -hmm. 
But anything that carries a moral to it, any book that is written by somebody that has a moral to it. Friend, our, our problem nowadays is there's no morals in our land. There's no morals in our school. There's no morals in our home. And uh, good, good, clean television programs have not been watched by individual Christians. And so they turn to those that do watch them. And uh, they put on X-rated movies and all of those things. And it has become the hue and cry of the world. We need to get back again to the morals of our country. And a person doesn't have to be a super saint to have morality in their life. There's good moral people that don't really even know God. But the morals that they have is good. It comes from a conviction and a conscience inside. All right? And we need some morals in our life. And we need to be able to understand what is good or bad. And we need to understand whether it is the Spirit of God or not. And if we're hungry, I'm going to put it that way again. If we're hungry, God's man will feed you. But now if somebody comes and sets at the table and he's already eat a good meal, and it doesn't make any difference whether you have apple dumplings, coconut pie, or fried chicken, or whatever you have, he's not going to be hungry. And when we have fed our minds with the world, all right, and when we have caused our life to be irreconcilable to God, and we have used all day without any prayer, Bible study, or concern about God, and fed our bodies and our lives upon the things of this world, and then come into the house of God, we're not hungry for spiritual things, because they will challenge the way we have lived our day out. So we have to be hungry for our spiritual things in our life. The Word of God is milk. We need milk. It's good for our bones. The Word of God is bread. And the Word of God is meat to hungry hearts. But we have to understand that these are spiritual things. This will feed the spiritual man inside of you. How many of you remember when I asked you if you took two dogs out and you fed one uh, a little bit, and you didn't feed the other very much, which one would eventually become the strongest? That's the same way it is. You feed old natural man, you feed him more than you feed the spiritual man, and you'll find he is dominant every time. When the spiritual man wants to rise up, flesh has become the dominant. He is the dominant factor, and he will win every time. What we need, saints, and I'm going to say it again, is a refilling, old-fashioned, humble prayer meeting in our life to fashion us like the glorious body of Jesus Christ and have one thing in common, and that's to please our Lord and Master and do what He tells us to do the way He tells us to do it. And listen to what God says and let it cut to the moon if necessary, but let it change our lives. Let it strengthen us in the avenues of our walk. And let us be challenged as to where we are. When the preacher preaches God's words, hungry hearts know it. Amen. But don't make a decision until you ask yourself the question, did I come into God's house hungry? Was I really expecting anything when I came? What must my life consist of? And if you're not hungry, it doesn't make any difference. Jesus Christ himself couldn't feed you. Because actually that's what you have in Him. When we're in the Word of God, you have His body. And in the blood of Jesus Christ, you have it all in the Word of God. And if the Word of God can't feed you, saints, there's something wrong with us.
There's something wrong with us. So the word of God being the milk, being the bread, being the meat, all of that, and God's man preaches the word of God, hungry hearts know that it's there and know that something is being said that would feed their life and make them strong again. Starving individuals need the word of God. There's individuals overseas, some of these countries that hardly get to hear the word of God once a month that would trade places with you in a minute that's able to come into the house of God and hear the word of God expounded at least three and four times a week. Sometimes we find it hard even to avail ourselves of the things that we have in our life. And sometimes we come again, not really despising the word of God, but counting it really as not to us. Doesn't mean anything to us. How many of us said, said after a message, you sure gave it to them, didn't you? <laughs> Amen. And minute now, minute now. I've heard people say it that didn't mean it. But a minute. Actually, as far as they were concerned, that word was to no avail to them at all. All it did was just uh, get a hold of the other individual. That they were measuring their lives as to what they needed. And instead of having an inward look, they had an outward look. Judging the lives of other individuals. Yes, God sure did put it on them, sure enough. Praise the Lord. And many of them accepted that as being put on them. But the individual standing aside, uh, so super spiritual in their life, that they didn't need any part of that, failed to get anything at all. They, in a sense, despised the word that night. Said it at naught what God had to say. Just as if God wasn't speaking to them, it meant nothing to them whatsoever. That's what Paul is talking about. Don't despise any message that comes forth from the pulpit. Measure your life by it. Amen. See what it is and see what it's like. See if you can't discern whether a minister is a true man of God or not, whether he's a counterfeit or not, then you're not really relying upon the Holy Ghost inside of you to be a leader in your life. Because the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. John 10, 4, 5 says, When the shepherd putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And this is what God is saying, recording in these words, Christians need to know the voice of Jesus. They need to know the voice of their ministry. Sitting in a congregation, saints, and call this your home church, you need to know those that labor among you. You need to know the voice of your ministry. Regardless of who they are, you need to understand that what is said and done is for the upbuilding of your faith and upbuilding of the kingdom and cause of God that would draw you out and make you a pathway into the glorious portals of heaven where otherwise than that we could find ourselves floundering around and not finding the good way of God. We need to know the voice and follow not after strangers. So if you don't know the truth and word of God, when you hear it, surely, surely there's something lacking inside of us. Might I suggest 
Again, that we find an old-fashioned altar prayer, it's not going to hurt you. It's going to do you good. And might you stay there with one thing in mind, is that God would come and prick you in your heart and anoint you with His power. Lay everything else aside. Lay your life aside, maybe, that's been crumbling around you and things that's happening that we spend a lot of time in prayer in and just throw ourselves there and say, God, I need an anointing of power and the Holy Ghost. I need a move of God in my life. Because if I can get a move of God in my life, I can excite somebody else to get the move of God in their life and find what is needed in our day and hour. God, anoint me with your presence. God, I need something in my life. I need a deeper walk. I need to find some, uh, some higher heights. Father, I am minus something in my life. My life is like a yo-yo, God. I don't want it that way. I'm up and down and I'm sideways and I'm every other way. I need some old-fashioned trust in you and in the Word of God. You see, then we need to check up. We need to search the Scriptures. That's why we've been saying all this time that if you don't know the Word of God, find out what it is. How are you going to measure what the man of God says if you don't know the Word of God? How are you going to understand anything about it if you're not acquainted with a book? How are you going to measure your life as to whether it means you or not? How are you going to know whether the message is true or not if you can't stack it up against the Word of God? Friend, go home, open your Bible. Every time a message goes forth, regardless, it's whether from me, my wife, Brother Tick, Brother Robert, or whoever, and see what they say, and see if it's in the Bible, and stack it up against there. And if it is, it doesn't make any difference what we think about it. Embrace it and hold fast to it, because that's your salvation. Don't let it go. Make it mean something to you. Amen. Let it not be despised. Don't just go home and say, Well, been good to be in the house of the Lord. Preacher sure preached a good message. What did he preach? Let's see, just a minute. I don't know, but it was good. Now, none of us have been guilty of that, have we? Oh, yes, we have. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We didn't get a hold of it. We didn't get a hold of it. And if we did, there was that old bugaboo outside there with all of his bag of tricks and put something before you to make you forget everything that you ever heard from the Word of God. Saints, there again, that is putting little advantage to the Word of God. You see, what advantage is the Word of God to us if we know it is the Word of God, if we don't learn to make application of that Word to our lives. It's still good Word of God, but it hasn't been any, uh, hasn't been advantageous to us. It just remains the Word of God, unapplied to our lives. And oftentimes we hear it, oftentimes we have a desire to do it, oftentimes we go home with that desire, and sure as the world, something will happen. Amen. Something will happen. The devil has designed some good thing for us. But designed something in our life that will try us and see exactly just how spiritual we really are. Just how much we really believe him. And the first thing you know, we just fall apart. 
There's the word of God that's been there and it's tried to prop us up. It's tried to get us ready for things. Did you imagine, ever realize a lot of times that the word of God that comes, you don't need it right then? Right. Have you ever recognized that right then you don't need it? So if we're not careful, we'll despise it. We'll set it as not. Well, I was in church and it didn't. I wasn't doing those things and so on and so and so was. So we set it at not the Word of God. When all the time, the Word of God is preparing us for something that's going to happen in our life and we need to get a hold of it. So when that happens, we'll know that it's the devil. You'll know to get a hold of God's unchanging hand and let Him walk us through that thing. I get excited because it's God and what He wants to do in our lives. And He's a precious Master. And we need to understand the Scriptures. Get in your Bible and read it. Maybe you don't understand it. But write down sometimes. Uh, you can't retain it all uh, in your memory. That's, that's a sad thing sometimes about... Uh, not taking notes or not getting taped. We can't retain it in our, in our memory. And uh, we can't search the Scriptures by it. Now, I don't ever, I want your confidence, but I don't ever want you to take anything I say without checking to see it come out of the Bible and see if it was presented the way the Bible says it. You're not fair to yourself or me if you don't do it. But you cannot do it if you're not acquainted with the Word of God. If you come to church, spend an hour or so, we've been here about an hour, and we'll be ready to go home in just a few moments. Spend an hour or so and go home, and it hasn't done one blessed thing for us. We've came and we've enjoyed fellowship, and we felt good in our singing, and God has touched us. But the Word of God has not got deep down enough in our hearts sometimes to bring us through the trial and tribulation and temptation that is setting before us. Don't ever think that you are super enough in God, but what the devil is not going to set a snare for you. God allows this to happen. Yes, He does. Amen? He allows this to happen. And when we look at it sometimes and say the devil did this and did that, and most likely he did, but God said go ahead and do it. Because what he's actually saying is what he said with Job. Have you considered my servant Job? I mean, he looks at you and said, I've got confidence enough, devil, in those individuals. Do whatever you have to do. I believe that they get a hold of this enough that they will walk through this thing in flying colors. And God just lets the devil do whatever. He, he don't let him go too far. He knows just how much Heard people say, oh, I just can't stand anymore. Well, if you couldn't stand anymore, God wouldn't let you have anymore. Right. Hey, Amen. I've said it myself. God, I'm almost, my, I'm almost with sin. Then something comes and says, if it's not removed, you're not. I mean, if it's still there, you're not at with sin. It's not over yet because I will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able to bear. Now, the end of my strength might be gone. The end of my abilities might be gone, but that's exactly where God wants me so he can, uh, we can start utilizing His strength and His abilities to bring us out of these things. 
friend, listen. There's a devil out there who don't like you. He's trying to destroy you. But there's a God out there that would like to bring you perfected, filled with His power, anointed with the Holy Ghost, home to the kingdom of God and reading this world. It's not one of us here tonight that God doesn't want to bring you into His kingdom whole and perfect. But He knows what it takes to get you there. I'm going to just mention this one. Because I preached a little harder than I wanted to. I'm supposed to be teaching, but I never know what I'm going to do. I'm going to mention this one just a little while. And then we'll close and I'll finish that up next Wednesday night. And this ought to take care of all the scriptures that we have had. And uh, that keeps us from backsliding. That gets us on a foundation and keeps us there. Number uh, 21, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Now just how, and I think I've just went over that, but let's, let's do it again. Repetition's good. Just how are we going to prove all things? And there again is where the Word of God comes in at. Prove it by the Word of God. If it's outside the Word of God, it's no good. If it's in there and if it's right, it's good. In other words, prove the body that you are a part of. Prove the body you are a part of. Don't want to get attached to a body that you cannot be a part of. Don't ever do that because you will be harmful to yourself as well as the body of Christ. Amen? If you cannot prove that it is right for you in the way it ought to be by the Word of God, not by doctrine, books, not by traditions of men, but by the Bible. Find out, put your church teachings beside the Bible and see if it measures up to God's specifications. Don't just dumbly and blindly accept it, but place it there by the, by there by the Bible and let it speak for itself. You see, no minister or no lay person either has any right to make the Word of God fit what they believe. If we're not careful, we'll get some little picky thing on our life. And we'll become so uh, excited about that and become so spiritual about that, that that if we're not careful, why, we'll begin to fit the Word of God to make it fit what you believe. I think one of the greatest disappointments I ever had in my life is I was raised, I feel like the doctrinally I was raised right, but there were some things that my father and others preached that I had just taken for granted and it must be true because I had all the confidence in the world in them. If they hadn't have, if they had if it wasn't truth, they wouldn't have said it. And early on in my ministry, God just said, Search the word of God for yourself. Lay those teachings beside the Bible and see if they are good teachings and right teachings. And friend, it is easy to lay something beside the Bible and it works out right. And a lot, and I'd say two-thirds of the teachings that I got fit the Word of God. But there are some that didn't fit. And friend, listen, it's rough when you're raised out of respect for somebody. 
and been taught things that they thought actually was right and embraced it. And you try to make the Bible prove that. And the only way you can is take one scripture out of here and set it over here. And it doesn't stay parallel with the Bible. Then you've got a problem. You've got to say either the Bible is wrong or they were wrong. And it takes a good man, woman, boy or girl to sit down by the Bible and say so and so was wrong I put trust in them they led me right for the most part but this particular thing was not right and it takes some doing in spirit and we're not allowed saints we're not allowed to make the word of God fit what we believe what we believe has to fit the word of God and if it doesn't do that, then we've got to get this junk out of our lives and find out what the Word of God is saying to us. Tradition is a good thing, but some of it will take you to hell, saints. Ministers are to believe the Bible, and they are to preach the unadulterated Word of God. That's the command of the ministry. They have to believe it. And Christians are to believe the Word of God themselves. Never again set the Word of God in naught. Never again despise it or take it lightly. Set and listen to it. It might make you so mad you'll bite ten penny nails in two. It might make your blood pressure rise up. It might make you want to get up and rebuke the minister. It might make you want to go home and forget that you ever knew God or ever knew any of them. But don't do anything until you see whether it measures up to the Word of God or not. And if it does, stand on it. And forget everything else. Stand on the Word of God. Despise not prophesying or the ministry. Despise not the teachings of God. Stand with me. Hallelujah. Let's praise you praise the Lord for his word tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, break loose. Thank God and thank him just for being kind enough to us to talk to us. Father, how we love you. How we appreciate you, Lord. In the midst of all adversities and problems and trouble, you have always been there. Hallelujah. And you'll always be there. Jesus, Jesus, lead me and keep me from all wrong. Hallelujah. And there's a song. Now I'm not sure we can sing it or know it. Jesus keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long. Do we know that? Somebody get it. Because I feel like it's important that we sing that. Lord, help us in our avenue and in our walk. Master, the day is fast, fast coming. The night is at hand. Our walk is almost over. Hallelujah, and I don't want to fall by the wayside just before I enter into the kingdom of God. I don't want to struggle all these years and all this time and just finally get up to where the brightness of God's coming is soon. I have faltered and fell. The seed of God has meant nothing to me. Have we found it? Brother Robert, do you know what it is? You want to come up and sing it? Page 47. And while we are singing that, just come on up and stand around here.
If anybody needs prayer, certainly don't leave without it. Anybody needs anything? This is what he's saying. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. 